I have been uh, focusing on words and phrases in 1 Corinthians uh, 10 through 11 that highlight some issues that I think are really important related to the Lord's table. And today I'm just going to focus on the word communion. And let me start by reading 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 16 through 17. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Uh, the word communion, which is what we call the Lord's uh, Supper, is a word that describes friendship, fellowship, uh, intimate sharing, very tangible sharing, like when we work for each other, painting and different things like that. Uh, when we uh, share our time, our labor, our money, and our goods, it's the Greek word koinonia, and any commentaries that you uh, tend to look at uh, will say, you know, fellowship just does not completely carry out the, the deep meaning of the word uh, koinonia. Uh, when the disciples shared their resources together in the book of Acts, it says that they were engaging in koinonia, and they were doing it at risk, a risk of imprisonment, risk of death, and yet they had each other's back. They were in this friendship, this uh, commitment, this uh, 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 sharing and fellowship it was not a superficial one. It was a friendship uh, that was unto death. And so the word for communion is actually translated in most translations as friends, in Hebrews 10, verse 33, it's translated as friendship in Galatians 2, verse 9. And I want to just talk about that, that whole concept of friendship, because it was a part of the covenants in the Old Testament. Uh, even though the covenants had curses aspects to them, well, in fact, uh, to make a covenant, literally in the Hebrew, is to cut a covenant. It's based upon the fact that they would cut an animal in two, kind of gross, uh, and they would pass between the parts of that animal in effect saying that uh, may I be cut off if I uh, break this covenant. Jeremiah 34 is a very vivid example of that. But what is so cool about the gospel covenant is it flips that upside down. Instead of us walking between the parts of those animals, it's God himself who does that. And that's illustrated in Genesis chapter 15 where Abraham cut apart these animals put them on the altar, but instead of himself walking through there, God made him pass out, you know, made him sleep. And during that sleep, God in this theophany walked between the pieces of those animals, in effect saying, if this covenant is broken, may I be cut off. And of course, he was cut off in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus was cut off from the living on the cross of Calvary because of his commitment to a covenant of friendship unto death. So that's what koinonia is about. Now here's the point. If the Lord's Supper is a commitment to koinonia, to friendship, to companionship, to sharing, if that's basic to its meaning, then God is committing himself to that with us. We're committing ourselves to that with him and uh, with each other. In Galatians 2, 9, Paul speaks about Peter and John extending the right hand of koinonia, right hand of friendship or fellowship to Barnabas. And so a very central element 
of the Lord's Supper is a realization that God loves us so much that he has drawn us into union and communion, friendship, if you will, uh, with himself and uh, with each other. And one of the reasons that Paul spends so many chapters in 1 Corinthians uh, blasting the Corinthians for their sins against each other is because those sins were breaking that koinonia that, uh, that was symbolized in the Lord's table. And only God's grace can enable us to keep koinonia when the pressure is on, when tensions build, when rifts and problems come. Let me read you a short account of the struggle that a New Zealand Christian had in the early years of the church there. And I, a few years ago, I shared this as an introduction to worship, but I think it bears repeating. P.J. McLagan and his biography, he says, in New Zealand, the Lord's Supper was being celebrated. At the first rank, having knelt, a native rose up and returned to his seat, but again returned to the rank and knelt down. Being questioned, he said, when I went to the table, I did not know <clears throat> whom I should have to kneel beside, when suddenly I saw by my side the man who a few years before slew my father and drank his blood, and whom I then devoted to death. Imagine what I felt when I suddenly found him by my side. A rush of feeling came over me that I could not endure, and I went back to my seat. <clears throat> but when I got there, <clears throat> I saw the upper sanctuary, the great supper, and I thought I heard a voice saying, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That overpowered me. I sat down and at once seemed to see another vision of a cross and with a man nailed to it. And I heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then I returned to the altar. You know, when we realize by nature we are enemies of God, I mean, we're guilty of Christ's blood. And yet he gave his all. He gave his life so that we could be friends, it really ought to motivate us to do the same with each other. And I think some of you may need to make amends with your spouse, uh, swallow your pride, uh, in order to enter into this koinonia realistically. Uh, some of you may need to invite an estranged friend to your house. Why? Because Scripture says we really ought to be committed to koinonia when we partake of the Lord's table. This is a meal for God's covenant people, which means it's not just a meal for Dominion Covenant Church. If you are a member of a church, and that's an absolute must, you must have committed yourself in covenant uh, with a church. It doesn't have to be this church, it can be any Bible-believing church, then I am committed to embracing you in love, embracing you in koinonia. Now, perhaps this morning you have broken koinonia with somebody and the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Jesus says what you need to do, and he uses old covenant language, you need to leave your gift at the altar Go get reconciled and then come back and offer your gift. And he was talking about the gift of the Lord of a lamb. So you've brought your lamb in and you want the priest to sacrifice it. And you all of a sudden realize, you know, I've broken koinonia with somebody. You leave your lamb there and the priest is saying, what are you doing? We've got a whole line up here. You can't be leaving your lamb here. And you say, no, that's how important it is to get reconciled. 
Now, the final sacrifice has been made, Jesus. But the application of his sacrifice means we get cleansed of our sin, and then we partake. And so I think it's perfectly appropriate for you, before you come to the Lord's table this morning, to go and talk to the person that you have a broken koinonia with and says, you know what, I want to ask your forgiveness, and I want us to work on developing koinonia. Uh, I want us to be reconciled. Now, on the other hand, Satan loves to beat up on us. If you've confessed your sin, Satan still says, well, you're not worthy. Look how many times you've broken fellowship with your wife. Look how many times you've done this or done that, and you are unworthy to come. Well, all of us are unworthy in that sense, aren't we? Uh, the only way we come worthily is by receiving the forgiveness of Christ, coming in his uh, worthiness. And so this morning, if you're weary in your service, come to the Lord Jesus Christ for strength. If you are discouraged in your service, realize that Christ is your victory and Christ is your life. Uh, if you've been wounded by the enemy, you've fallen into sin, don't let Satan keep you away. Instead, you confess it. You get it dealt with and realize that Jesus is the one who loves to restore Peter's, Peter's who have betrayed him. And uh, you come not because you're strong, you come because you need his strength. But he has committed himself to being your friend. Let's be serious about pursuing friendship with him, pursuing friendship with each other. Amen. Father, we do thank you that you have called us into the fellowship of your son. Uh, the incredible intimacy and union and communion that you have with your son is greater than any friendship that we have ever seen on earth and it blows us away that you have called us into the fellowship of your son uh, father we recognize that we are not even remotely where we should be in terms of our friendship with you we want to though we want to be uh, like david and like abraham and others who were called the friend of God. Father, help us to have that kind of koinonia with you and overflowing in the grace of koinonia with you. May we experience more and more of that koinonia with each other, with our children, with our spouses, and uh, with others uh, who are true believers. We love you, Father, and as we come to this table, we pray you would use this as a meal of sanctification pouring into our hearts a fresh new uh, koinonia new union and communion and fellowship and friendship with you and with each other and to that end we pray that you would set aside these common elements to a holy use and you would be glorified in our partaking in jesus name amen